And now, The Travel Show with Arthur and Pauline Fromer. Your chance to talk to the publishers of the nation's best-selling travel guide series. Whether your travel destination is around your corner or any corner of the world, the Fromers will help you get the most out of your travel experience and save you money at the same time. And now, Arthur and Pauline Fromer. And this is the travel show in which we talk about vacations. Welcome. I'm Arthur Fromer. And I'm Pauline Fromer. And in the time ahead, we're going to be discussing travel. But that's a conversation you may be able to get in on. In the past, we've had listeners to the show call in with their travel questions. We've even found a couple of experts uh, who listen to the show who then are guests. So if you're interested, you can email me at fromertravelshow at yahoo.com. I also like to start the show out by reminding people that we're not just on radio. If you're planning a trip or if you just love travel, if you love history, if you love cuisine, if you love culture, please visit us at our website, which is fromers.com, F-R-O-M-M-E-R-S.com. We're also on every form of social media. You can look for the word fromers on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Which one am I missing, Dad? Uh, do you, and uh, um, Oh, well. Whatever, whatever, whatever other types of social media there are. Now, we've been doing this show a little differently these past weeks because this is a time when very few people are traveling. So instead of making this show a how-to, we're doing a bit of that. But what we're really concentrating on is profiling really extraordinary travelers and travel writers. And our next guest certainly falls into that category. His name is Corey Lee. He has an award-winning travel blog called Curb Free with Corey Lee. He also has a children's book, which is coming out now. It's called Let's Explore with Corcor. Hey, Corey, thank you so much for appearing on the travel show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So for those who don't know you, let's start with the basics. Why is your blog called Curb Free? Yeah, so I started my blog back in 2013 because I really did not see uh, many other blogs out there that focused on traveling from a wheelchair user's perspective. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to create a resource where other wheelchair users could go and they could you know, figure out what attractions in India are accessible or Australia or what hotels can they stay at or, you know, what's transportation like or anything like that. And so that's kind of where the idea for Curb Free was born. And um, I really just named it Curb Free with Corey Lee because, I mean, curbs are an obstacle um, Mm -hmm. in my everyday life as a wheelchair user. And so by eliminating the curbs, the possibilities are endless. But let's get into a little bit of your background first before we get into travel. How long have you been in a wheelchair? I have uh, been in a wheelchair since the age of four. That's when I got my first powered wheelchair, but I was actually diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy at the age of two. Ah, so this is your entire life. When you were younger, were you a big traveler or was that something that was seen as perhaps not possible for you? My mom uh, worked in a school when I was younger, so she would have 
like three months off every summer, and we would really use those summer months to explore mostly domestically up until I was about 15. So we would take road trips along the East Coast and go to Disney World and Washington, D.C. and New York and places like that. And then when I turned 15, we went to the Bahamas, and that was kind of the first time where I got to see a different culture and to, like, try new foods and that's immediately when the travel bug was born within me, I think. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So so it was it was traveling abroad that made you want to travel more. At this point, how many places have you been to? Do you keep a list? Yeah, I have been to all seven continents, actually. I went to Antarctica, which was my seventh this past wow. February, right before the pandemic happened. Uh, so luckily got that one in just in time. And I've been to 37 countries. Well, you you start you said at the beginning that you wanted to start this blog because you felt like there wasn't much information out there for people who are in wheelchairs. For our able-bodied listeners, what are some of the challenges uh, for traveling with a in a wheelchair? Well, what are like in a hotel? What do you have to find to know you could stay in a certain hotel? Yeah, so booking a hotel. I mean, it's always kind of takes a lot of time and it is a bit of a debacle. So I'll usually start by calling the hotel and trying to figure out, you know, what all do I need in my everyday life at home? So I know that I need things like a roll-in shower. Um, I know that I need a shower wheelchair, widened doorways, things like that. And so then I'll call the hotel and ask them, you know, do they have all of those things? And then I'll even request photos and videos of the room sometimes, depending on the property, because, uh -huh. I mean, the word accessible can mean so many different things to different people. Right. So I really, you know, like to be 100% sure that it's going to work for me before I get there. That's interesting that, that the word accessible can have so many different meanings. Weren't there basic meanings put in place by the Americans with Disabilities Act or not so much? There definitely are some, and I mean, the ADA is a huge help, and it's actually celebrating the 30th anniversary of the ADA next month. And so, I mean, we are very fortunate to have laws like that here in the U.S., but um, it's, I mean, it, I think it still has a long way to go, and we still deal with accessibility issues, especially when traveling internationally, but even here in the States, because, I mean, any building that was built before 1990, which is when the ADA came into law, um, they don't have to have a ramp or accessibility. So, mm. um, I mean, it's just like little things like that. Older attractions, I have a lot of problems in, and even older hotels as well. Uh, for those who are tuning in late, we are speaking with Corey Lee. He is the author of the fabulous blog, Curb Free with Corey Lee. He also has a children's book out called Let's Explore with Corcor. And you were saying you went to Antarctica uh, in February. What were the challenges there? What, 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 why don't more people in wheelchairs go there? Yeah, I went to Antarctica with Holland America. And so since it is a larger ship, we were unable to actually get off the ship and like go on to land in Antarctica, which I definitely would love to. And I've reached out to other companies that do um, cruises like that in Antarctica, but the accessibility of, you know, getting off the ship and getting on land, it's unfortunately just not there yet with a lot right. of the smaller cruise lines. And so 
I mean, I had a phenomenal time um, on the Holland America cruise, and we saw, I mean, hundreds of penguins and whales and seals, and it was really one of the most incredible experiences that I've ever had, uh, just seeing it, you know, from the ship even. Sure. I think the most important thing when you're traveling as a wheelchair is really, or a wheelchair user is being creative and willing, you know, to not let anything hold you back. And so, I mean, I could have just never gone and said, well, I can't get on land, you know, Mm -hmm. so I'm better off at home, but you just got to go for it sometimes and, you know, accept the circumstances a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that most of the major cruise lines are good facilities for people with disabilities or do you, do you think they have a long way to go? I think that cruising is actually the most accessible way to travel. So, I mean, with the major cruise lines, I've cruised with several of them, and they are fantastic. So, I mean, really everything is there on the ship that you need. I mean, you can go to dinner. You can go see a Broadway-style show at night. And, I mean, you can go to a bar or whatever you want to do, so uh, lay by the pool even. So um, I think, you know, they are a phenomenal option, and it really eliminates you know, trying to find accessible transportation to right. get from dinner to show to the bar or wherever. So cruises are a great option for sure. I was surprised at the beginning to hear you went to India. I would think that that would be a very difficult destination in terms of accessibility. Or am I wrong? Is there another place in the world that, that has more challenges? Yeah, India is definitely tricky if you don't go with an accessible tour company, but I went with a tour company there called Enable Travel, and they actually focus on wheelchair accessible travel in India. So they had the adapted van with a lift on it and all of the necessities. So it was really amazing and one of my favorite trips ever. But then there are places even like Paris, France, where I had the most trouble and huh. uh, they only actually had one wheelchair access- accessible taxi in the entire city back in oh 2011 when I went wow. and it was 850 euros per day to use it. Oh, so, oh yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. India, I would have thought there might be interpersonal issues. Many years ago, my husband and I uh, went to India to do a volunteer vacation. He's a physical therapist, so he actually worked in the hospital with mothers uh, who had children who had mobility impairments. And he he was told that they, they face a lot of societal blowback there. Uh, but you didn't experience any of that, I'm hoping. Uh, I definitely did experience that to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, every time that I got out of the van and like went to an attraction, like swarms of people, the locals would come up to me and they would be like taking photos of me and mm-hmm. wanting a selfie wow. and things like that. But I mean, after a few days there, I kind of just got used to it, I think. And so I was like always willing to, you know, take a selfie with them. Sure. <laughs> really, they just, you know never seen anything like a power wheelchair. And so wow. to be able to, you know, to educate them about, you know, what the, what a power wheelchair is and that people with disabilities can, you know, get out in the world and travel. I think that was a really special moment. Yeah. For me. We have to take a quick break, but we will be more, back with more with Corey Lee after these messages.
You are listening to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer here with my dad, Arthur Fromer. And on the line, we have the fascinating Corey Lee. He is the author of the blog, Curb Free with Corey Lee. He also has a children's book coming out called Let's Explore with Corcor. And Corey, I know as a travel writer, it's almost a gift when things go really wrong because you know that will be a great story. I can write it up easily. What are some of the things that have gone really wrong when you have traveled? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely had my fair share, um, especially as a wheelchair user. So the first time that I ever went to Europe, I arrived in Munich, Germany, and I it was nighttime, so I was needed to charge my wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And I had a, the proper converter and an adapter, and I plugged the wheelchair charger into the outlet with the adapter and converter. And as soon as I plugged it in, sparks started flying, and the power in the entire hotel actually went out for about 15 minutes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Yeah, luckily, the hotel never found out that it was me that caused the outage, so I'm in the clear on that one. (laughs) And were you able to charge your wheelchair? I would think that that would be the bigger disaster. Yeah, the next day, we got online and just, like, Googled wheelchair repair shops in Munich, Mm-hmm. And we were lucky to find one, and they had the exact charger that I needed. So we did have to buy it, and it was like 250 euros to uh, get it. So yeah. you always definitely want to take a little extra money if you're traveling as a wheelchair user, just a traveler in general, I think, for the unexpected. Yeah. And I was reading on your website, there was something that happened with a hippo to you? What was that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So not too many people can probably say that they were attacked by a hippo and survived. But um, when I went to South Africa a couple of years ago, I went to meet Jessica the hippo. And she's actually a hippo that was like abandoned by her hippo family. And humans found her and they raised her. And it's really a bizarre story. But She's the world's most famous hippo, and she's been on, like, the Oprah show and all these other places. But I was trying to feed her a sweet potato, but I was having a little bit of difficulty reaching down to her mouth to give her the potato. Right. And so she got really agitated that it was taking me so long to feed her. And she lunged up out of the water and grabbed the entire side of my wheelchair with her massive feet and started pulling me into the water. Oh, but goodness. luckily, as soon as I was about to become her lunch for the day, her human dad came over and like told her to stop and started yelling. And thankfully, she's a good daughter and she listened to her dad and stopped. But it, it was a very close call. <laughs> wow. No, that's crazy. Uh, we are speaking with Corey Lee. You may know him from his blog, which is called Curb Free with Corey Lee. He also has a children's book coming out called Let's Explore with Corcor. And uh, tell us about the children's book. What, what, is, what is it going to be like, and what are you hoping to do with that? Yeah, so the children's book is coming out on July 26th of this summer. And let um, me say that we are taping this in June, so you may be hearing this after July 26th. Sorry, Corey, go ahead. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's going to be coming out, and I'm super excited for it because when I was growing up, I never really saw a character that used a powered wheelchair like me. And so, you know, being able to create this book and um, have beautiful illustrations that feature a kid in a wheelchair that travels the world is really special to me, especially as we get near the 30th anniversary of the ADA. And Mm -hmm. so um, every destination in the book is one that I've actually been to. 
So every destination that CoreCore goes to is one that, you know, any other kid out there that reads the book, they can actually visit as well. Oh, great. You know, you you were talking about traveling. Well, we all do. Uh, and it's a time where not many people are traveling. Uh, what is your advice about scratching the travel itch to all of us who are stuck at home right now? Yeah, I mean, I would say really to just use this time to plan for the future. I think, you know, traveling as a wheelchair user, we have to plan way in advance. So I'll usually start planning trips like six to 12 months in advance just so, you know, I can figure out what hotel is accessible. Is there accessible transportation within the destination? And so getting a head start on all of that now and planning for like summer of 2021 or whenever, you know, you feel safe to get out there and travel again. I think now is the perfect time to finally, you know, push for your dream trip and really get it all planned out. Yeah. Now we met briefly at the Society of American Travel Writers Conference in, uh, and where was that? That was in the Uh, Barbados. Barbados. And I noticed your wheelchair was very high tech. Uh, do you think the type you have is better for travel than other types of wheelchairs? Or can you talk a little bit about your chair? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, traveling as a manual wheelchair user, it would definitely be easier probably because you could just, you know, stow it in the trunk of a car. And if you had some assistance, you know, you could get in a regular car. But I use a heavy-duty powered wheelchair. It weighs about 350 pounds. Wow. Um, it's difficult, you know, to transport it a lot of the time, but, um, I mean, it really enables me to be as independent as I can be. And so that's why I really, you know, always try to travel with it instead of just depending on a manual chair, because, you know, when I'm in a destination, I want to be as comfortable as possible and as independent as possible so that I can fully enjoy that destination. Well, what impressed me about the chair was it actually allows you to rise up so that yeah. you're at eye level with people. And I, I know because of my husband's profession, as I said earlier, he's a, a physical therapist. That's very important, right? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, whenever I'm, you know, talking to a local within a destination, I mean, I think it's very important to, you know, raise up and look them in the eye and have a conversation. So, I mean, all of the new features that are coming out, on wheelchairs are like tremendously important and I can't wait to see what all we have 10 years from now. So it's going to be exciting. Has it been difficult with the airlines dealing with a a wheelchair? Yeah. Oh, that's the most difficult part, I think. So I'm always, you know, during the flight worry about is the wheelchair going to be damaged when I get to the destination? (sighs) And sometimes it is slightly damaged, but overall I've been pretty lucky with that. And um, the whole air travel process, we could, probably do a whole show on. (laughs) That's a big deal. Yeah. Well, for anybody tuning late, we have been speaking with Corey Lee. Read his blog. It's called Curb Free with Corey Lee and go out and get his children's book. It just came out. It's called Let's Explore with CoreCore. Thank you so much, Corey, for appearing on the travel show. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Thank you.
Welcome back to The Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer here with my dad, Arthur Fromer. And our next guest may be familiar because she's one of our favorite guests. We've had her on many times over the years. Her name is Stephanie Rosenblum. She writes a lot for The New York Times. She also has a wonderful book on travel out called Alone Time, Four Seasons, Four Cities, and the Pleasures of Solitude. Welcome back to the Fromer Travel Show, Stephanie. I'm delighted to be with you. So, over the years, I have decided that you have a niche that not many other travel writers have. You seem to be very interested in the social sciences and how new studies uh, show how we could travel better and live our lives better, frankly. Yeah. Would that be fair? I think absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've been fascinated by science and, you know, especially uh, human behavior, why we do what we do and how we can live better for a really long time. And, uh, you know, I think the findings of social scientists have implications for all aspects of life. But of course, that that includes travel very often. Well, we're in a time where a lot of people are staying at home. Uh, mm-hmm. How can we use this time productively to A, prepare for our future travels, and B, bring the pleasures and explorative mind of travel to our daily lives? Mm, yeah, I mean, there, there's a big, uh, there's a lot of research into the idea of anticipation uh, in the social sciences. And, um, you know, the idea being, of course, that uh, there, there's a wonderful quote from a researcher named Elizabeth Dunn, and she says, anticipation is a free form of happiness. And it's the one, you know, she often says that's the least vulnerable to things going wrong, right? Because <laughs> yeah. nothing's happened yet. So, uh, and in travel, and especially in the moment we're in, you can, there are a lot of things you can do to anticipate a trip without, you know, leaving home or your neighborhood. You know, for instance, you know, there are wonderful novels, poems, films, television programs, uh, you know, travel and design blogs, you know, podcasts. Uh, you know, fashion magazines about all the places that you might want to go. And this is a wonderful opportunity to just sort of, you know, let that bathe in that information right now. And not only to choose where you want to go, but even if you know where you want to go, to begin to really immerse yourself in that uh, long before you you even, you know, make a trip. Uh, So that's one, you know, all those are different ways of doing that. And it doesn't even need to be nonfiction. You know, you can just read novels by authors from the place you're thinking of going or people who have visited that place and written about that place. Uh, You know, another thing is, I've talked to, you know, other travel writers about this as well, is just booking flights many months in advance, because that idea of knowing you have something, you know, in the future or a road trip, you know, planning something, of course, you know, taking all of the, you know, into mind that, yes, you want to be able to make changes and, you know, not get stuck with tickets somewhere. But the whole idea of, you know, really enjoying that planning process and that learning process. So it doesn't have to be a trip that you're on. Planning for a trip can bring you that joy. For anybody tuning in, we're speaking with Stephanie Rosenblum. She is the author of a terrific book called Alone Time, Four Seasons, Four Cities, and the Pleasures of Solitude. And Stephanie, you just wrote a fascinating piece for the New York Times about road trips and about Mm -hmm. apps that you can download uh, that will make your road trip better and help with social distancing, which is so important nowadays. Can you tell us about a couple of those apps? 
Yeah, sure. One of them that I really enjoyed uh, is called Just Ahead. And Just Ahead does um, sort of audio tours, most of them of national parks, although some of them of just sort of beautiful drives, uh, you know, like for instance, you know, through Utah. And they are researched, you know, by uh, by travel writers. And they are they're sort of these lovely pieces that are triggered by your phone's GPS. And you don't have to have Wi-Fi working while you are driving. And you also what? don't even have to, have to be on the road trip. Yeah, because, you know, GPS is the uh, Wi-Fi often doesn't work in the national, a lot sure. of the national parks. So it's great. Um, but you can be home. I, I did this, you know, the other day. I wanted to listen to something on the Great Smokies. And I just started listening. And it really put me in the mood and made me sort of think like, okay, so when I decide, you know, that I'm going to do that again, when I'm able to do that again, uh, these are some parts of the park I'd like to explore. You know, it's just it's like, you know, watching a wonderful documentary about a place. So that's, that's one of the apps that I think is really really lovely and uh, and will put you in the mood, you know. What, what's the name of it again? It's called Just Ahead. Just Ahead. Okay. Yeah. Is it, so that's is it, one. Okay. And what is one that will help with social distancing? Because a lot of us are vacationing differently. We're avoiding other human beings, sadly, because we yeah. have to right now. Yeah. So uh, the app for that that's great is Road Trippers. And what it does is it uses your location to show you all sorts of things around you, right? Like beaches, parks, nature preserves, botanical gardens, um, just public art, you know, uh, places to go camping. And that's just a few of the things. And what's nice about it is you can filter for the kind of places you want it to show you. So, for instance, you know, if you are, uh, you know, going somewhere and you, you don't want to go, you, you know, the museums are not open or you don't don't want to be in enclosed spaces, but you'd like right. to go to some parks, be outside, you can filter for that or filter for beaches, you know, and it allows you to sort of control what you're going to see along the way. And it's, it's you know, really great for something like that. Are these apps being kept up to date? Because I know right now a lot of places that normally would be open have limited hours mm -hmm. or trails mm -hmm. are closed or things have changed. Yes, yes. I found so one that's really good for trails uh, and it's a very popular app is called All Trails. And they have it's thousands and thousands of trails and it's sort of sourced by the community. I feel a little bit like it's TripAdvisor for hiking trails and biking trails around huh. the world. And uh, what you can do is you can see, like, you'll see the latest person who's had something to say about it. And they'll, and, it's, and it shows you, like, was there yesterday? Was uh, there a week ago? Right, uh, right. You know, I was, I was looking at it, one trail where somebody said, uh, you know, uh, this is a great trail, but make sure you start here and not on this private road because huh. there's a man yesterday who came out and told me it's his street. You know? <laughs> <laughs> How funny. All right, we have to yeah. take a quick break, but don't turn that dial. We'll be back with more with Stephanie Rosenblum. You are listening to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer here with my dad, Arthur Fromer. And on the line, we have one of our favorite guests back. She is Stephanie Rosenblum. She's the author of Alone Time, Four Seasons, Four Cities, and The Pleasures of Solitude. Um, a while back, you wrote an article about how to best enjoy a museum. And it occurred mm. to me that that 
what you recommend doing could also work for our explorations of nature. Uh, first, can you say how to explore a museum and then tell me if I'm totally off base with uh, expanding this to nature? No, I think, well, I think that particular piece talked about, if I'm not wrong, some of the studies about going alone to museums and how it can actually end up being more meaningful than when you go with a group. And this was based on research, you know, supported by the Swiss Swiss National Science Foundation, um, you know, things, you know, published in, uh, you know, museum management and curatorship about how conversation in groups, while, you know, wonderful for social outings, actually interfered with visitors connecting to art, right? And it, mm-hmm. and it, and they weren't able to enter the exhibition, like with all of their senses sort of open and alert, you know, it was more, it was a social thing. It wasn't about communing with the art. Right. Um, and the studies found that people who went alone found it uh, more thought provoking. And they found that actually they ended up, uh, they ended up uh, remembering things better, and they they liked the fact that uh, they could con- you know they could explore things at their own pace, and they didn't have to feel that their feelings about the art were affected by what everyone else around them was saying. Hmm. And I remember you also gave advice to stand in front of a piece of work, an artwork, hmm. for three full minutes to to. Go into a room, figure out what really calls to you, and just concentrate on that. I thought that was such good advice, not just for museums, but for many things in life. Yes, and that, that was a, there was a scholar who did that with his students, and I thought you know he had come up with such a good idea. And you, you're absolutely right; you could do this, you know, even in your local park, just in your neighborhood. I mean, I think a lot of us, even in major cities like New York, are discovering that there are fewer people around and you can actually stop like I found myself doing this you know recently just looking up at a building that I never would have looked at and appreciated because you know you're just there's too many people around you're just you right. know rushing and you're going here and there but I was actually able to stop on a sidewalk in the middle of New York City and look up and not you know be jostled or you know worry that I was in somebody's way it's an amazing you know, there are opportunities in this moment uh, to explore you know to travel so to speak within in a, just a smaller radius. And to be mindful. I guess that's the key to, to actually Precisely. make sure that you have yourself in the mindset to just stand and slow down and experience. We're speaking with Stephanie Rosenblum, who is the author of a wonderful travel book called Alone Time, Four Seasons, Four Cities, and the Pleasures of Solitude. She also writes a lot for the New York Times. Uh, and have you done anything recently on looking back at your travels. Uh, you t- yeah. talked at the beginning about looking ahead. Are there pleasures to be had from looking back? Yes, they've actually, again, this is social science research has found that reminiscing is a form of happiness and it's a form of savoring. And what it's, uh, you know, one way to do it, for instance, is an obvious way is to, you know, look at your old vacation photos and particularly nice thing. And this you can do while social distancing, thanks to, you know, computers is that we can just, you know, share photos or, you know, make videos for people or, you know, or slideshows. 
you know, something I did the other day, actually, was I was looking through some old, you know, I saved pamphlets from trips and uh, you know, restaurants I've been to. And I actually decided to frame a couple of things, you know, and just the process of doing that, like looking back through those old uh, souvenirs, so to speak, you know, even though they were just sort of free pamphlets and things, I thought they were pretty. And I thought, you know, I'm going to update my home decor by putting them in frames. And it was a nice little project. And it involved travel, but, you know, and it made me think about those trips and those times. And I was very grateful that when I could travel, I did travel. And I think to myself, you know, we have to I have to remember that going forward, you know, when there is an opportunity to take that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Your book, Alone Time, Four Seasons, Four Cities. What were the cities and what was in about a minute? What was the pleasure of solitude you found? Uh, Well, for me, it was really, you know, there's a lot of self-discovery in spending some time alone and just being able to, this whole idea that we were just talking about, about savoring, about being in the moment, about really appreciating something. And this is not just for people who are single, though, of course, that's like a wonderful, you know, uh, way to think about it. But also, you know, many times you're married or you don't, your schedules don't line up and you you do a trip alone or you take part of a trip alone. Uh, And the cities were, you know, Paris. Uh, Istanbul, Florence, and New York. And you found that those were okay cities as a woman alone? You never felt endangered? No, I never felt endangered. um, But I also, you know, I didn't, I wasn't walking around, you know, at three in the morning. um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I also find in very busy cities, you know, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people around. And I I, I say in the beginning of the book, I intentionally chose cities uh, that have a very lively street life, Mm, you know, that there are people on the sidewalk. So, you know, we have to take a quick break, but we'll be back with one final segment this hour. Don't turn that dial. listening to the Fromer Travel Show. And we've been ending every hour recently with our guests asking them, why do you think travel is important? When all this is done, why should people get out and explore the world again? Or do you think it's, I don't want to put words into your mouth, do you think it's important? Oh, of course. I think it's really important. Um, And actually, again, you know, the social science shows us that it's important, you know, it's important for us to experience new things, Um, you know, just to to get out of our comfort zones, uh, to discover things, to meet new people, to meet different people, to, and also, you know, just to restore ourselves, uh, to get inspiration. You know, you get that at museums, you get that in new places, new restaurants. um, And, and, you know, and again, from the research, you know, social science has told us for many years now that new experiences make us more intensely happy than new things, more objects. So, mm. you know, who doesn't want to be happier, you know, and what what better way to do that than to travel? Right. Absolutely. Do you know where your next trip will be? I think my next trip will probably be within New York, you know, will be in terms of timing, will be will be <laughs> a local you're based trip, in you know, New York. Yeah, because I'm based in New York. Yeah. But, you know, our city, like, to be honest, I spent so much time, you know, in the city. And then with traveling, I would just always fly places. But I think my next trip is going to be I'm going to go on the road. And I think I will head north and explore the the uh, the less trafficked parts of the city. Yeah, I think that's that's probably wise. For anybody yeah. tuning in, we are speaking right now to Stephanie 
Rosenblum. I, I urge you to pick up her book. It's called Alone Time, Four Seasons, Four Cities, and the Pleasures of Travel. And I also urge all of our listeners to maybe pick up a Fromer travel guide. They're on sale wherever books are sold. And to visit us, as I said at the very beginning of the show, at Fromers.com. At Fromers.com, we have a lot of fascinating articles up. Stephanie, did you hear about the uh, what Cambodia is doing in terms of their entry fee? No, I didn't. Is this on your website? Yes, they announced an entry fee recently of $3,000. Why so high? Because they are going to put that part of it as a deposit for your cremation should you die in country. Uh, It's and also if you need to be hospitalized, they're they're trying to look at every terrible, Uh dark thing that could happen. That could Uh, possibly happen. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So we're we're covering that. We're covering reopenings. We're covering reclosings. We're covering history and cuisine and culture, all at Fromers.com, as we do in our books. Uh, so we we really hope that you'll you'll visit us there. Um, and we also have a great newsletter. Apologies, Stephanie. I just want to just get this word out. It's absolutely free. Um, you can sign up on the homepage of Fromers.com. We have one of the highest open rates in the industry, which means that people who subscribe actually read it, which is unusual. You'd think if people subscribe, they'd read something, but most don't. Uh, so we hope you'll visit us at Fromers.com. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. And we'll yes, be... Thank you, Stephanie. It's to fascinating those... to hear you. To those who are traveling, a hearty bon voyage. <laughs> 